0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. Once again, you are live with the Word on Wednesday. And I'm Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are continuing the Bible study of First Corinthians entitled Chaos. In Corinth, and what we're doing tonight. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, what we're doing tonight is we will continue at verse three. Now, last week I gave you some of the background, and the the quick version is that um, this is a city that can be compared to New York, Chicago, Dallas. Uh, it is an urban area. It is, um, it's is well-traveled, and it's filled with a diverse group of people who worship a number of different gods. It's a vile city, and by that I mean there is a lot of um, sexual activity. There's probably a lot of drinking involved. There's probably... Anything that's going on in Chicago is going on in Corinth, and that's why this is the perfect setting. And this church is set in the midst of all of this hell and confusion. We talked a little bit about, about Paul coming to Corinth and how he was coming in defeated, how they had just laughed at him at Athens and called him a seed picker, and how there was trouble in the other churches, and he was really burdened down. At this point, and he was broke, and yet God sends him there, and when he sees all of the, cha- the the chaotic city, not the church but the chaotic city, it God has to reaffirm to him. God has to speak to him and if you remember back in Acts God tells him, "You stay here and don't be scared because I've got much people in this city." And so Paul begins to minister there. He leaves, he goes to Ephesus, from Ephesus to Jerusalem, back to Ephesus and there. That's when he hears about the trouble in Corinth. Now, we know that there is a letter that he wrote prior to this letter. We don't even discuss it simply because we don't know the contents, but we do know that that there's a letter, and this should actually be Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. But God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't want the first letter in, so he didn't provide it. But now we've got this second letter, and so that's what we're going to to continue to go through. And, you know, a lot of people look at Paul's letters and they say, oh, that happened then. But God doesn't leave his word for no reason at all because what happened then is applicable to what's happening now. And so Without further ado, let's have prayer, and then after prayer, we're going to dive right into the Word, and tonight I'm going to deal with one of the topics that we talked about that is in this letter, Um, because last week I told you that um, some of the topics that we'll discuss are division, worldly wisdom, leadership, immorality, folk that flatter themselves, a failure to discipline, disputes, marriage, Christian liberty, church conduct, And about three or four others. So there's a lot of topics that Paul addresses here because he's been asked some questions, and furthermore, he has a report. So he's got to deal with all of this. Amen. So let's just have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive right into the Word. And for those of you who are grabbing your Bibles right now, um, we're going we'll be at Act, excuse me, not Acts, First Corinthians, chapter one. And we'll start our reading at verse three after our prayer. And if you want to call in with a question in your own global drive, it's four two five. No, that's wrong. It's Nine two nine four seven seven two three oh four. And I'm also supposed to tell everybody that's out there on Facebook Live to push the share button. Push your share button. Invite others to this Bible study because I think that we really, really need this, especially in through now. So let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we bless you and we praise you for your word. Your word is true. Your word is timeless. And most of all, your word does not come back to you void, but instead it accomplishes its purpose. Now, Father, I pray tonight that the purpose of your word is to alumnate, to reveal, to show us. You said that you, the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. And so tonight our prayer is that your spirit would lead us into truth, the truth of our lives. It will also expose the lies that we live, the motives, the thoughts, and the intents of our heart. God help us tonight. God teach us and make us receptive to teaching. Make us receptive to your word so we can be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to begin. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm going to begin at verse 3. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So after um, he he, he tells us who he is and who this is to, he extends grace and peace. And what is he saying? He's basically asking God to extend his favor and his wholeness us. What do you mean? Where do you get favor and wholeness? Well, grace, that word cherish means favor, divine favor and wholeness. So he starts out this letter and he basically says to them, I greet you and pray divine favor and wholeness into your lives. Now, remember something. These folk These folks are are, are, are kind of upset with Paul, and not only are they upset, but they're also, uh, as you'll see in a few seconds, there's also some division and betrayal going on here. But instead of Paul immediately jumping at them, he says, you know what, I want God to bless you with divine favor, and I want wholeness to you. That word erene basically means wholeness, completeness. I want you to be complete in your life. Amen? So he says, verse 4, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Now, why is he, what's the purpose of that? What is the purpose of verses 4 through 9? Well, first of all, look at what he says. He says, you've been given grace, you have been given favor, and you have been enriched in every way. And there's a purpose for this now. Hang on with me. You have been enriched in every way. And specifically, he says, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge— because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Now, one of the things that you'll see later on is that the reason why he says this is because there uh, is controversy concerning the spiritual gifts, and that's going to come up um, probably, I think it's about uh, chapter eleven, ten and 11 is where we'll get into spiritual gifts. But, He's telling them from the beginning, calm down. You have it all. You've got everything you need. You have been enriched in every way. You've got all of the knowledge that you need because you have the mind of Christ. You see, one of the things that we get into in in in, in Corinth is that – in addition to all of the people that are there as merchants and selling, you have every kind of philosopher that you can imagine there. You've got all of these religions. You've got all of these people that are spouting knowledge and wisdom, and I know this, and because of that, and all that kind of stuff. You've got your eggheads as well as your, your business people in there, and everybody's vying for position. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And so Paul's basically saying, calm down, because in Christ you have all of this, and then some. And he says, and God will keep you strong because he's faithful. You don't have to worry about anything. So this passage is there, and, and if I had to, if I had to just, just paraphrase it in one word, Paul is saying, relax. Chill. Stop all of this mess. You got this. In the Church of God today, one of the things that the phenomenon that we see is we see that people are are constantly trying to outdo each other in spiritual gifts, in preaching, in in, in, in who has the most money, who can raise the most money, who builds the greatest buildings. Uh, Remember this? This is Holy Ghost headquarters. We are more righteous than you because we don't do this. And, you know, all of that foolishness. And and Paul is just basically saying, relax. Everything that you need, you've already been given. And God is faithful. And then he goes on in verse 10. Verse 10 begins, the teachings and the controversies. And I want to show you something here, and I'll only be able to show you a little tonight. It says, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may, may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, Some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember. If I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel— not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So I want to connect something now, and I've got to connect two things. The first thing I want to do is I want to go back to that passage from verses 4 through 9 to connect them with verses 10 through 17. And here's how I'm going to connect it. The key thought in 4 to 9 is relax. And now, the key thought in verses 10 through um, 17 is division. And what I want to talk about in this passage is how Paul views division. First of all, he says that I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ— that you all agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought, so remember the the, the priestly prayer of Jesus when Jesus prayed for the disciples. What did he pray? He prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would be united. And not only did he pray that we would be one with each other, but he says, I pray that they would be one just as you and our Father are one, that we would be in complete agreement. And here Paul is saying that I hear that there are divisions among you. Where did these divisions come from? Well, the divisions come from who they claim that they are following. Why is that important? I mean, because I follow this pastor over here. You're a member of a church over there, and you follow your pastor. Why is it important that we not focus in on a person or personality, and instead follow Christ. Because, and, and I just answered the question for you. When you focus in on an individual pers- person, when you focus in on an indi- uh, uh, individual denomination or your church or anything, you bring about division. Yeah, you bring about division. Why? How do you get that? How do you get that? How do you get that? Well, the NIV does not do this this phrasing justice. And the key word in here is not what they, the way they say it is It says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Ap- Apollos. But what we find out is that if we render this properly from Greek to Hebrew, and by the way, the reason why the NIV says, I follow Paul or I follow C, this is simple, because what they're trying to do is the NIV tries to give you a, a thought. They don't do a word-for-word translation. And sometimes when you don't do the word-for-word translation, uh, you, you, you miss you miss certain portions. What it says is, is, is in actuality, and I'm, I believe it's the um, New American Standard as well as the ESV. It says, um, uh, hang on, let me get to the page that I want to get to. It says, I am of Paul. That's, what, that's the way it reads in the uh, New American Standard. It says, I am of Paul and I of Apollos and I of Cephas and I of Christ. That's what that reads. It says, I am of Paul. That's important. First of all, where have you heard the I am from? When God revealed himself to Moses, how did he reveal himself? He reveals himself as the I am. When Jesus reveals himself to and, and almost gets stoned, What does he say? I am. What that I am represents is your existence. I exist because of. I exist because of. Say it again. I exist because of. And and so what you speak of is your very existence when you say I am. And so what he's saying here is, you said that you exist because of Paul, or you exist because of Apollos, or you exist, you are now a Christian and have been born again because of Cephas. That is important. That's so important. And why is that? Because, now look at the next thought that it leads into. And see, sometimes we say, we wonder, why does he talk about this after that? The next thought that it leads into is he says, Look, is Christ divided? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Watch me. Now, that doesn't make any sense why he would change thoughts like that, does it? It does make sense to those of you who walked with us through the book of Acts and understand what baptism means. Baptism is us dying to ourselves and being born into and of Christ. so when we are born again what that what that and baptized baptized being baptized basically states that now I'm no longer myself, I now am of another and The person that I now represent is the person whose name that I am baptized into. And being baptized into Christ basically says that now I am of Jesus. I am his will is my will. His way is my way. I am his representative. The life that I live, I now live through Jesus Christ. You see, so now I'm no longer my own. So when he says that I am of Paul, and I I, I didn't baptize you, I did not baptize you to make you of me. God didn't send me to make disciples of me. God sent me to make disciples for him. Why is that so important? Well, because now, and remember the statement that I made earlier that you probably said, what is he talking about? When you focus in on a person, a human personality or a church or a denomination, what you are saying is that that I have been baptized into being a Baptist or I have been baptized into being a Pentecostal, and so my identity is I'm Baptist. No, no, no. Your new identity is found in Christ. Your life is not hid in being a Baptist, or your life is not hid in being a Catholic, or your life is not hid in being a Pentecostal or anything else. Your life is hid in Christ, and you represent Christ, and you follow Christ because you are of Christ. Do you get that? And so that's why he's making that argument. He says, wait a second. Paul didn't die for you? You were not saved by what Paul did. You were saved by what Jesus did for you on that cross. And when you were baptized, you were baptized into him, not me. So when, the life that you now live? You don't live it for me. You don't live it towards me. You don't live it according to my philosophies or anything. You live it according to Christ. You represent Christ. He empowers you. It's his spirit, not the spirit of Paul. And a lot of times I'm hearing, you know, uh, I need somebody to take on my spirit. I want somebody with my spirit. And what they're doing there is, and, and it's a mistake on their part, They're going back to Moses, and they're looking, where you know, of the same spirit like Moses had. Well, no, I don't want anybody to get my spirit. Because there's times when I was just talking to my wife just a few minutes ago, and I said, you know what? I can be kind of grumpy, and I can be kind of moody at times. You don't need Winfred's spirit. Don't follow me. You follow Jesus. Don't follow your pastor follow Christ. Now w- w- let me let me let me clean that up a little bit. You follow your pastor as he follows Christ or as she follows Christ. Amen. So it, that pastor is placed there as your leader and as long as as he follows the leading of Christ, you can follow right in behind him because then you're following Christ. That's important for me to make sure that I clean that up because I don't want anybody saying I ain't gonna do nothing. The to pastor say I'm following Jesus. No, that's again that's where division comes in. And why do we have so much division in the church? That's simple because Satan is constantly going to play a divide and conquer game. He's constantly going to sow confusion, and he and he's doing the same thing now. That he did from the beginning. What does he do? He takes the word and he twists it. What did he do with Eve? He said, "Did God say that?" He knew. He knew that she was gonna that he was gonna listen because he was gonna twist it up, and then he was gonna put a little bit more with it. And what happened? The next thing you know, boom. She biting the apple and said, "Adam." Boy, this thing good. Taste this. And what you want to do is you want, that's why Bible study is so important. That is why Bible study is so important, folks, because if you know the word for yourself, if you're sitting, not under me, no, but if you're sitting under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit, if you're allowing him to lead you in and out of the word, even right now. As I speak under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is ministering the word directly to you. Yes, he is. And he's telling you exactly what you need. And he's giving it to you in a way that you can receive it. He's leading you into the truth of his word. Amen? So now, let's keep going. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel. Hold on, right there. Now, so you're thinking, well, wait a second, hold on. Doesn't Matthew teach us that we are to go and uh, spread the word and baptize and make disciples? And now Paul is saying that Christ didn't send me to baptize. In this, in this phrase, what he is saying here is that the, my principal responsibility is not to make disciples of me, but instead to extend the gospel of Jesus Christ to all. So if I happen to baptize, I am baptizing into the name of Jesus, not into the name of Paul. Get that straight into the name of Jesus. Now, hold on. Let me do one more thing. Let me do one more thing, and that is, so, Pastor, are you you saying tonight that we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Now, I'm not going to get me caught in that that little silly controversy because that's exactly what it is. If you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, or if you're baptized in the name of Jesus, it is all the same because what you represent is. You represent God. You represent Jesus. When you remember, when I told you what happens at baptism. You give up yourself. You've given up your life, and you now represent and am empowered by and do the will of Christ. Period. Closed conversation. So all of this you know, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and speaking in tongues, and that is a doctrinal issue, and I don't make fun of my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, nor do I um, exalt the Baptists, or nor do I um, look at the Catholics in infant baptism, because all of those doctrinal issues detract from the fact that we are all one body in Christ. And when I look at doctrine... When I look at doctrine, the first thing I want to make sure is that it is biblical doctrine. Secondly, I'm going to look at and say, and it is necessary. Now, if you disagree with me, that's fine. You're still my brother. You're still my sister. We're still all in the same body. We just don't see the doctrinal things the same way. And doctrine should never divide. When we debate doctrine, what doctrine should do for us it is, is it should make us look at the word and sharpen us, period. And we only got so much time to do that because we got work to do. We cannot sit around talking about how to pluck the chicken and let the chicken get away. No. We got to be after that chicken. We cannot sit around talking about how people get saved when our job is to go and present the gospel. And that's what Paul is saying. He sent me for all of this stuff. He sent me to preach, and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel. Verse 18. Do I have time? Yeah. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Let me connect something real quick. Look at him shift the argument away from division to remember that phrase, but I came to preach. Now, here's the connector what is he preaching? He's preaching Christ crucified. Why does he put why does he write this passage? Because again, Paul is viewed as being rather simple in his preaching. When Apollos comes along, Apollos is more eloquent. And then when Peter comes along, Peter is presented as the authority from Jerusalem. So, Paul is, is, is faced with all of these worldly people who are glomming on to a particular style of presentation and not the essence of what is being said. And so he begins by, by basically saying, look, forget the style. You guys are getting impressed by nothing. How many of us have gone to churches and we've seen these eloquent speakers and they were able to come up with all these glib phrases and then we were shouting and we were hooting and hollering because he said this in this manner. When you leave out of there and you dissect what he said, what did he say? What did he say that was edifying to the body of Christ? What do you have beside a bunch of slogans? What did he say that's going to help edify you and bring you into your Monday morning prepared to do the will of God? I call that cotton candy preaching. It's sweet, but it ain't got no substance. Listen to me. It ain't got no substance. It has no substance whatsoever. But when you taste the word of God, it's like oatmeal. It'll stick to your ribs. And we need something that will sustain us. We need something that will not only sustain us, but also will cut through our flesh and our muck and our mire and expose the sin in our lives. And hearing all them trite phrases and all that—they that don't do nothing. That's entertainment. Okay. What time? Ooh, I'm two minutes over. I need to stop right here. I'm going to go back. I'm going to pick up at 18 next week because I didn't—I didn't really dissect that the way I, in, you needed. And you need each one of these these passages, because he's building, he's building, he's building. The first thing he's doing is he's taking on this division, and he's saying, first of all, you are not, you don't exist because of me or Cephas or or Apollos. That's the first thing he's saying. Secondly, this, it's not the philosophy. It's not the way they said it. What it is is the wisdom of God that you want. You don't want some man coming along and, and impressing you with how smart he is or how clever he is with words. No. What you want is you want truth, and the truth is going to come from God. And the reason why some people can't hear truth is because they're earing tuned to it. God has not revealed himself to them that way. Amen? That's where I want to stop right now. We'll pick up on division because Again, that's where the vision comes from, from following any other person, any other philosophy other than Christ. I need to stop, though. I need to stop because I'm four minutes over right now. And, again, if you've got a question and you're on Global Drive, call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. If you have um, a question and you're on Facebook Live, as we pray, as we pray, uh, type 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 the, um, type it on the screen and I'll see it and I'll try to answer it real briefly and if it takes time, it just takes time. I don't care. I'll, I'll spend the time with you tonight. Amen? Um, so let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We give you the glory. God, you want us to be one and yet because of our choices, choosing to follow me and choosing to follow denominations, choosing to follow the flavor of the day. We choose to divide ourselves. God, we repent of our divisive nature and we ask, oh God, that you would make us one in the body of Christ. We ask, oh God, that you bring together Catholics and Episcopalians, Pentecostals, Baptists, Church of Christ, Church of God in Christ, bring us all together and unite us as we focus in on you, as we focus on your Son, as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, make us one, that we who love you, who you call, would advance your kingdom collectively throughout this land. Oh, God, call the Jew and the Gentile together. Cause us to be as one. Father, call us from the lowest level to the highest level. Cause us to have oneness in our homes. Cause us to be one with our husbands and our wives. Cause us to be one with our children. Cause us to be complete and whole in every unit that you have ordained. Oh, we bless you and we praise you that you, O oh God, can do exceedingly abundantly more than we think or imagine. For even as I pray, O oh God, there are those who would say that ain't never going to happen. But I claim in Jesus' name that all things are possible to them that believe. And I believe that since you called us to oneness, that you're well able to make us one. Thank and praise you for this time with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's see if there's any questions. Any questions on, look at me looking like an old man, looking at the screen, on Facebook, and I don't see any on the Global Drive. So, we'll pick up where we left off next week. Um, I pray that you will enjoy this series. I'm telling you, we haven't even scratched the surface. This is going to get gooder and gooder. Amen? So, see you next week. Sorry for the rough start that we had because um, we started week before last, and then we took last week off because of the trick-or-treat, and then the Halloween, and everybody's got their opinion about it. That's just what it is. It's just an opinion. Um, but we took last week off because of that, because many of you had other obligations. Um, but we're back at it. We'll be at it. Uh, we'll probably take a break around Thanksgiving. We'll probably take another break around Christmas and maybe New Year's Eve or something like that. But look forward to every Wednesday night. One last thing. Um, there's going to be what's called a Level Up Conference here in Chicago coming real soon. It's uh, Don't ask me for the date, but I'm plugging that conference uh, because I've seen some of the speakers, they're young, they're fresh, they, they, they got some stuff going on, and I want you to be prepared to level up, to take it to the next level, and that's what this conference in Chicago is about. You'll see more advertising out on Facebook. Uh, my son's uh, doing all of that stuff. And, you know, I'm a part of the the Global Drive Network, even though, you know, I, I stay in the background because they have all the meetings, and I don't like no meetings. But anyway, um, I pray that you guys would just search that out when you see it um, uh, on Facebook, see what it's all about, and then come on to the conference. I might even be, make a guest appearance there, and then y'all can see me live and in person. Amen? So you guys have a wonderful night. I bless God for you. I'm praying for you. Keep praying for me and my wife. Appreciate you. Be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye.